back to the JJK Chronicles, a Jujutsu Kaisen podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ronnie. My name's Chef. And today we are here to cover Season 2, Episode 8, Episode 32, The Shibuya Incident. Shibuya. Shibuya. Uh, uh, Shibuya. Chad, how the hell are ya? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, brother? I'm doing well today. What did you think of this episode? I, I did really like this episode a lot. Yeah. It was basically everything that I was hoping for at the end of last episode, so I was very into it. I took a whole lot of notes. We're going to talk about all of it. Um, before we do that, we got to shout out one of our dear listeners, Raphael. There were a couple people who sent in some feedback uh, helping us out with some of the confusing parts of last episode, but my boy Raphael, he must have spent two hours collecting data. Yep. Um, and then translating it into words that Ronnie and Chad would understand, sending it to us. Basically third grade sentences, just so we would be able to understand it. He helped make us feel better about ourselves because we felt lost, we felt um, stupid. So I'll I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, I just want to read like a few of his points that helped me out specifically. Right, so if you're someone else who's just listening and you're like, oh God, I'm relying on Ronnie and Chad to help me find the way, we're going to use him to help you find the way. Mm -hmm. He has a couple points here that just helps me out, and I'm sure it, it's helping you out as well. Um, here's one that I just pulled up right when I came. He talked about Mahito's curse technique, the idle transfiguration, and he says that you can't heal the damage it does um, if Mahito hits it successfully on you with reverse curse energy. And he talks more about reverse curse energy. He's, he's basically saying, too, because that was actually something I know in the beginning of season two, Gojo uses reverse curse energy. Yeah. And that was something I don't really understand that much. What about you? Did you, you fully get all that? I didn't fully get it, but then they also do another good thing in this episode that we'll get to later talking about the reverse curse energy or just um, stuff like that that help me want and we'll get to it later mm-hmm. but the other things that he was talking about he was just helping explain the simple domains where it's like a domain inside of the other domain that that's what helps protect you yes and he also i know we we talked about Mechamaru's condition in the first one he just to clear that up a little bit i think you understood this right off it kind of confused me but him saying this helped a lot he said Mechamaru's condition is a heavenly pact that people like Toji and Maki also have. But a heavenly pact is not the same for everyone. And you're also born with it, you can't choose it. So his heavenly pact is he gets all those years of cursed energy built up for this, you know, the bad body basically that he was born with. Right. And Toji's Toji's was really unique because he had zero cursed energy. Well, the other, yeah, the other good thing was the less cursed energy that you get, the more physically strong you are. Right, and that's why Toji is just an absolute menace, because he actually has zero cursed energy, but it enhanced his other senses, which still gave him the ability to see curses. And Maki then, can't see him. She needs the glasses. And then the other fun thing that he mentioned was basically Yuji, who does have cursed energy, but he also seems to have some physical strength himself. Right. Which kind of goes against that. Which I never really thought about that. No, I've never thought you, about it either, so I like that because now yeah. I'm on the lookout for it to see what might be going on there. Yeah, Yuji, yeah, once he said that, it really made me think Yuji definitely has something special slash secretive going on with him. The fact that he's that damn strong. Because I remember like the first couple episodes in high school, he was throwing a shot put like seven football fields. Yeah. 
So he's definitely got something going on there. Most people don't do that. Right. Also, this I don't know if you caught this or not. I think he mentioned it right here. He said to go back and rewatch like the end of season one. The guy that comes to this episode at the very end, he is from the end of season one. Do you remember that? The guy that comes at the end he of this uses episode. The, he uses the blood technique. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's near the end of season one. He's one of the three like fetus curses that that were there. Gotcha, that okay. they let out. Remember, two of them were killed by Yuji. Right. Yeah, yeah. And this is the third one, Chozo, is what they called him at the end of season one. Okay. Just to give you reference to that. I, Raphael mentioned that, and then once I saw I had watched season one not too long ago. Right. And I kind of remembered his face, so that also helps a lot. Just to know that that's not just some random, you know. Yeah, somebody. I got some. I got some takes on him, and just because you told me who he is now does not mean that I will not call him what I've got later, because I got a name for him, and they did not say it in this episode, so I don't care if you kind of know the name. I'm not doing it until the show reintroduces him. Okay, and then yeah, so he talked more about the simple domains. We kind of got that down packed now, and at the end of this, Gojo mentions the simple domain in one of his sentences, but we'll get to that at the end. But you caught that too, right? Yep. And you kind of understand everything that's that's going on there? I believe so. Okay. Hopefully that cleared some things up with the people that are listening too. We're probably just a little bit dumber than most people. But thank you, Raphael, for not making us feel too bad because he did say he had to reread the manga multiple times to get, to get everything down pat. It is definitely the most expansive like power structure right. that we've ever dealt with I, I, on well, the Ronnie and Chad podcast. Yes, on our podcast. I was about to say, one of the power systems that is just as expansive to me that me and you both have watched that can be kind of confusing is the Hunter Hunter. Power yeah, system. yeah, it was very. Yeah, yeah. I remember struggling through that as well, but it's, I didn't have to talk on microphone about that one. Yeah, so it, it didn't feel. But as bad. the thing about this one is, it's not as confusing as you think it is. They just try to make it more than what it is. I feel like. Maybe but so. We'll, yeah. But I get confused. But this episode, I did well, and we're going to talk about it right now. That was a good summary yep. segment. Uh, let's hop into the Shibuya. Oh, I, I did want to mention too. Mention it. We have forty-nine patrons on our Patreon. We would love for the 50th person to be you. Yes, that's you listening. He's talking to you right there. Oh, you look good today. We've already said we're doing something special for the 50th person. You know what that is? We're shouting them out. I'm not doing that. He's shouting them out, and then I'm shouting out the other 49 that were there before you, but because but we appreciate you just as much right. as them, but I'm not just going to give you a shout-out. Right. Out. So check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ronnie and Chad. We've got Vinland Saga there. We're three episodes ahead of where we are on the free feed, and... We got to learn a little something where me and Ronnie teach people everything. Oh, everything. If there's something that you wanted to learn, as long as it's not Jujutsu Kaisen uh, power systems, that's the place to learn it. Here we go. The party. It's going down. I love seeing all the costumes. Uh, Gojo is perched up like Spider-Man watching all this, but he's not in costume. He's just acting like him. But he looks like he's in costume, so people, right? you know. Well, not Spider-Man costume. He just looks like he's in costume, so people's yeah, yeah. not questioning. He's got a blindfold blind. over his eyes. Yeah, they don't know what he is, but he's they're like and, okay. And his uniform, like their uniforms, look so different that right people think it's a cosplay. So he starts talking. There is another veil centered underneath here that also traps non-sorcerers inside. So right away, I was I was getting nervous. I was like, wait, did I know about this second veil? What veil is he talking about? Because he didn't say where it was. I'm still just looking at him I'm like, all right, he's in the city. 
Gojo starts to flex by walking on air, scares a young woman who thought he was going to step on her face. Yeah, th- this part's hilarious. Does he just use his infinity technique right here to like right before he hits him? Yeah, I think so. Him? So funny. But he thinks he knows what the person um, who's doing this is after. He thinks he's got it all figured out. Elsewhere, Team Yuji is in a cemetery, and he's pretty worked up that Gojo is in the veil all by himself. Maymay says... Well, that, before you keep going, mm-hmm. how off do you think Gojo is on that statement? Do you think he's right on the money, or do you think he does not? Uh, I Yes. So I think what he's referring to is that I don't think he knows the whole plan, but I think he knows that he is in there. Like He knows that they were calling him, and he can see how crowded it is. So he knows that whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to get him in a situation where he can't hurt the other people okay. around him. I think that that's what he's figured out. Um, there's probably obviously still elements that he hasn't gotten to, but he's taking it one step at a time. All right. So Mei says that they're heading that way, but she's sitting on stairs, so not in a real hurry, I suppose. Yeah, this is the one character that uh, all she really cared about was money, right? We've seen her talk about money a lot. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Right, that's correct. And But she's also... Um, we have a young man that I will be calling Karen Cut until I know his name. No, we had Wee one you. of these guys Wee in Wee. Demon Slayer. I wanted to call him Karen Cut for... They said his name too quick. I was looking excited. So if you could hold your horses, I understand. Well, I want to call him Wee Wee. <laughs> and we will. But I was excited to call him Karen Cut because I was like, hey, we had a Karen Cut in Demon Slayer. Look at this bad haircut. <laughs> It's pretty pretty bad. Is this her son or her brother? It is a weird relationship, Chad. (laughs) We will talk about it momentarily. I mean, what is going on here? I mean, they're both, Karen Cuts, that is, they're both sidekicks to strong women, but they act very concerned and worried for them, even though the ladies are completely in control of most situations that I have found. Well, the one in Demon Slayer is a lot more normal of a relationship than whatever's going on here. If you say so. I mean, we did not see a whole lot of them. Uh, I think that that Karen cut has just as unhealthy of an admiration as uh, old Wee Wee here. Okay. Maymay stresses the importance of not writing Gojo off as some ordinary guy, and then this is when we learn that their name is Wee Wee, like Penis. That's correct. His name is Penis. And he's like a, a little, I don't, he's a little kid friend zoned. I don't know what is going Dude, on here. Well, he's got the same color hair as May May. And that makes me think that does he. Does he though? Hers uh, is white. Yeah. I don't think that he does. Wait, maybe he has blue hair. It's like, no, it's like Karen Cuts from Demon Slayer where it's like a greenish blue tint greenish to it. Greenish blue, okay. Hey, but he, don't they look related? Am I wrong in saying that? <sighs> I mean, I, I don't, you know, they're drawn characters i don't know if they made them look related or not okay ronnie you want to pull the drawn characters part out now well i mean you're the one that got the hair color wrong don't look at me and now i'm trying to pull it up to see you can't you can't draw colors well you couldn't even get the color right now you're going to start looking at their facial features to compare them let me see i'm pulling it up now yeah i mean i think that his hair definitely has a little bit of a greenish hue to it now, the thing is, even if they're siblings, she should not be treating her sibling like this. 
Oh, it makes it even weirder if they're siblings. I know. That's <laughs> so what kind of related were you thinking? Like this is her uh, little nephew? Something like that. I don't, dude. It, it's so confusing because why is this kid? How old do you think this kid is? I think that he is 13. Why is he 12? Why is he a part of this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why she's got him here. I want the backstory on this guy. That's all I want is the backstory on this kid. Because all we've seen him so far do is just like defend her. He's the weapon holder. Criticize Yuji and hold weapons. Yeah. Even Yuji's looking at this like, what is going on? Because it's like she, it's got this energy of where he just wants to do anything to please her. And she knows that. So she's nice to him, but it's also like leading him on in a way to, I don't know, getting some creepy, creepy energy. Yeah, from because these two. she she is the the age of like Gojo. I know she's in that that age range, so she, he's a little too young for. Her. May May gets a call which contains info about the second veil. So this one is over the station we saw Gojo in. So I went okay. I took a step back. I was like, thank God they explained that because I didn't know what the second veil was Mm -hmm. doing. So they are hurting these people more and more. Basically, the initial veil was like uh, an initial hoarding. And now they're trying to push all those people into the even smaller veil is what we're going to come to find. Now, Gojo, he's gone down so far to where he's on the train track where he runs into some of our old enemies we got Jogo, Hanami, and what I called Sleepy Aladdin. Sleepy Aladdin. I like that. That sounds way better than Chozo. <laughs> so a little smack talk goes down, and then boom, we're into the OP. When we get back, a young woman is breaking down the layers of veils that are at play. I loved how quick it got to Gojo being confronted by these three curses oh this whole episode for the most part has a great pace to it they're not hiding too much stuff they're explaining things well i appreciated all of it so she's talking about the veils that are at play including the one around the train platform that prevents sorcerers from entering so like gojo's in there but apparently right now he's the only one that can get in they think whoever created the veils are between the two uh veils to help strengthen the barriers and that they've had two people already taken out. So, it is Ghetto, right? That created yeah. the villain. So, where do you think he's hiding right here? I don't know. I don't Because they're saying that he's between the two. Mm-hmm. Because that way he can strengthen. Like, if he's in the stronger, middle, yeah. if he's in the middle, it's not going to be as strong. The, uh, the initial one's not going to be as strong, I guess. But I also don't know how much he would care about that at a certain point. It's not. I think it quickly becomes, if I'm looking at it from their perspective, it's all about getting more people, normal people in, than it is about keeping the other sorcerers out. Mm-hmm. Because it's all because because they even say sorcerers are a distraction to Gojo as well. They they wouldn't mind if there was a few sorcerers around too. Yeah. Like literally, they they said the worst thing basically to happen would be Gojo being alone and so, no one else being around. So I mean, this is one of those things where they tell us like what they think, but we haven't seen anything to cause us to actually believe that's what's going on. 
were just kind of taking their word for it. And I don't know who this girl is, so I don't know if I trust her like that. You don't trust May May? No, May May's not the one that's saying it. It's this, uh, there's this other girl who's like briefing them when they get there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. So also between the two barriers are transfigured humans. Mm. Just then we see Betty Croker from Demon Slayer. What is this? A crossover yeah. episode? And I, it's Itadori when he hears the transfigured humans. That he obviously, yeah, that's it, like his weakness point. It hits a note with him. He's yeah. like, oh no. So Yuji, he's getting antsy, but what he doesn't realize is that Mei Mei is sharing the crow's perspective to get a lay of the land. And Wee Wee's like, hey man, she needs complete silence. Stop talking to her. And Mei Mei says, it's actually, it's insanely cool yeah. with me if you keep yeah. talking. I am completely fine has with it. No problem with it. I'm great at multitasking. Ask me any questions. Tell me any stories. Don't listen to Wee Wee. Yeah, Wee Wee is the type of guy that is just an absolute cock block. He would be an absolute cock block. Right, well, you, cock block for sure. He's also the guy that's going to, he's going to make, he's a cock block. He's the person that reminds the teacher about homework. And if, say you're the admiration of his eye, that's the apple of his eye, and you make like a free throw on a basketball court. He's gonna be like, "That's the hardest shot anyone's ever tr- attempted ever." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and also, if this was his mother, okay, well, we'll just say even if he does have a mother, he would. Any guy that tried to date his mother, he would be the biggest dickhead about it and not allow it. He's just he's at the perfect age to where he's just annoying. Like if he was two or three years younger. You could get he could get away with saying some of this stuff. You'd be like, "Oh, he's just a little kid," but he's like thirteen, so it's just the just old enough to be annoying as shit. Right? Get a clue. Yeah. Just then, the crow gets splatted. Meme gives Yuji a choice: he can either murder a bunch of weak, transfigured humans. My or... pick. <laughs> okay, thanks for hopping in there. Or exercise one powerful cursed spirit. Give me the former. It'd be a lot easier. Um, I wouldn't be concerned about dying. I would be able to just take them out real quick and get over it. But there's multiple. Yeah, she said a bunch of weak ones. Yeah, but it's still like... Here's the thing. I'm putting them out of their misery, so why would I feel that? But that, I mean, that has got to be the most cursed existence is to be one of those deformed blob cakes. Right, right. So basically what you're saying is like you'll take the easy job and then you like trust me to actually go and do like the hard work. No, I never – you're not in this scenario. No, I am in the scenario. No. We do I everything would... together. I'm in the scenario, so – No, you're, okay, fine. You're wee-wee. It's you're fine. Wee-wee. I'll, I'll go do the hard job. You're holding Everyone knows that Travis is wee-wee, so don't act <laughs> like I'm wee-wee. Okay, that's true. That is true. She shows Yuji a map of the subway. And I, oh God, I love a map. B1 is the top floor or, you know, ground level, basically. And then you start going down into the subway system. And once you get down to B5, you're in the veil. That's where the veil starts. So she assumes that the transfigured monsters are forcing the normal people down to B5, but couldn't see down there because her crows are imbued with curse energy so she couldn't get through and also Oof. they don't even get the chance to get close because they're hunted down between levels B1 and B2. Okay. You said you love a good map. I do too. What this is what I wanted to talk about. You love a map? Yeah. 
Dude, always I, love learning stuff about you because to me, you could not pay attention to a map if it your life depended well, on it. Well, I used to watch Dora a lot. I feel like anybody that watched Dora has high admiration Don't, for maps. When you talk about maps, do not use Dora the Explorer's map as an example because if I remember correctly from that program, her map consists of like, you're here, and then it's just got one location on it being like, get here. That's the map type of map I like. Yeah, so and you don't red, like this, this. Red lines. Exactly. And then it just has a swiper in the middle of it saying like, get past swiper. Right, right. But I wanted to talk about, you're talking about the subway system. How, I want to go to Japan really bad because. Just to ride the subway? That, but just the fact that there's not fucking traffic everywhere. I saw some video the other day about Atlanta, which is where we are from, for those of you that don't know, and how it's like basically the poster child for a car city and how everything is built around cars, not mm-hmm. even people. And then it like started showing Japan and how Tokyo and all this is built for people, and then it has like the subways and stuff. And it just looks so much more pleasant. I know I, I loved r- riding around, but whenever I go to a city... It's just so annoying how much traffic there is. Yeah. Do you not... Have you never looked at like certain things like that? See, I think that it would still be very crowded. No, it's a it's a crowded place, but getting from one point to the other is way quicker in those type but of I don't, cities. But see, here's the thing, right? Like, okay, yeah, I wouldn't be sitting in traffic, but instead I'd just be like cramming onto a train with like 200 other people, would I not? Well, it's not it's not only that though. It's just like walking from place to place. Like even New York is pretty badly built mm-hmm. for people compared to places like Japan and other places overseas. See, I guess I just don't. Uh, I mean, I know we're not city folks, but I'm not a city folk, and my experience is my only experience. And I know that uh, Japan, it's got to be like. So what you're you think that you just walk around Japan? You're just like la di da. Not Japan. Obviously, I'm saying like Tokyo, a big Mm -hmm. city in Japan. Yes, in Tokyo, it is way easier to get around than if you have to drive from one point of Atlanta to another. Right. Yeah. Okay. I want to go there. It's way more romantic. It's way more romantic. Whoa. Way more romantic. Your reasonings for going to Tokyo so far have been weird to me. Name them. uh, Okay, one, transportation. Yeah. Two romance. Especially since we've already talked always talked about going to Japan together, so I don't know why you're so interested in the romance factor. I would find someone there, Ronnie. Yeah, dude, it's not romantic sitting in traffic, beeping your horn and saying, Hey, tough guy, keep moving. What is so romantic about a subway to you? I'm not even talking about <laughs> just a subway, Ronnie. Just being able to like walk around everywhere instead of having to drive Oh, I got to drive there. Then you get in the subway. You're holding hands together side by side. You're not having to operate a vehicle at the same time. You're just there. <laughs> you then get... <laughs> okay. All right. I love this picture you've painted for yourself, so keep living it, brother. <laughs> keep right. on living. It's going to be great. God, I cannot wait to watch you hold hands with women on the subway. God, you were gonna have, you. You were going to have so much time to hold hands. So, back to the matter at hand. Maymay assumes that there is also, in between levels B1 and B2, 
that's where the veil user is hanging out. So I think this, when I say that line out loud, I actually start to think, I think that they've got it all wrong. Ghetto's definitely not in between the two uh, veils, I don't think, because they just assume that um, that the person that Yuji's getting ready to go down to is the person making the veils. Gotcha, right. okay. That's what it seems like. Yeah. But what we'll come to know is it's some sort of cursed nail Right. That's keeping it mm-hmm. keeping it going. So they might just not know about that curse technology. The latest in curse technology. So but this was all very exciting to me. We got a plan, we got a layout, we got a map. And Yuji is a little like uh us. He needs some affirming after being told things only once. So he's like, So you're saying that the cursed user is just down there. But since he knows, yeah, there's transfigured humans, he's thinking it's the patch faced gentleman he doesn't know his name yet right yeah yeah and she says maybe all her crows are killed before they could confirm seeing patch face aka mahito which i it made me like them saying that i was like holy shit that is true he doesn't know his name yet Mm -hmm. she doesn't like splitting up but knows they are running out of time to save normal people so her and wee wee are going to be four to rescue civilians and yuji is supposed to regroup with them if it starts going poorly Gojo and Yuji are the opposite. Gojo and Yuji are the opposite in yep. what ways? When it comes to normal people. Because, elaborate, I mean, I, I think I know where you're... Yeah, Go- Gojo would instantly take out these transfigured human things and not think a second of it. Right. Yep. Right, because he... Gojo's interesting in the way that he cares about people... But the second, the second that he loses their humanity, he's ready to just keep moving. Mm-hmm. It's not like it tears him up. He just does it because he knows it's the right thing to do. And we'll see that a couple more times this episode. It's not like he's going to be torn up about it to where Yuji's still kind of connected to his humanity. So yeah, this was a big moment for me because Yuji calls her Mason, uh, just one May. He doesn't say May May. And says, I won't lose anymore. And then Wee Wee says, it's May May. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets down to B2, where a grasshopper with wings is feasting on some flesh. Don't call him a grasshopper. I will call him a grasshopper. That's exactly what he was. It's a locust. He got offended when he got called a grasshopper. Uh, He's a grasshopper because that's what I said. And it was a big moment for me because I put in my notes, grasshopper. It was like me telling the future. And then later, Yuji calls him a grasshopper. What is the difference? Well, locusts can fly, hence the wings. Yeah, locusts are just like bigger and badder. And I think he gets offended a little bit later on when Yuji calls him a grasshopper. But honestly, yeah, keep calling him a grasshopper because this guy's a bitch. I don't respect this guy. This guy's a bitch. So they go out of their way to show the person is still twitching, which made me uncomfortable. So I'm like, oh, maybe they're still alive, which is really unfortunate. But then we also see it doesn't have a head. Dude, this is pretty gnarly. Of course, Yuji has to be... This is the first thing he sees when he goes down there. He's like, I don't want to see the transfigured humans. And then he walks into... Instead, he's a beheaded <laughs> beheaded yeah. human being feasted upon. Yeah. And Yuji asks for Mahito, and I mean, pretty nice cursed guy. You know, He's like... He's got nothing to hide. It says, Mahito is below, and he's here to protect the veil. Mm-hmm. Thanks for breaking it down for us. And upon hearing the name, Yuji thinks back to Junpei. 
And then thinks to Gojo explaining barriers. Basically, he's thinking about Junpei being, wait, Junpei said that name yeah. before. So now he knows Patchface is he's Mahito. Mahito. Yeah. So then he thinks to Gojo, who once explained barriers to him, and he says, they're pretty complicated, and there are plenty of strong p- people who still can't do them. So with that being said, Yuji's looking around. He knows that this grasshopper didn't create the barrier and notices the notices a suspicious looking little big nail in the ground a little big nail i like the i like them going back to that because that makes me think that tengen could honestly be somebody that's not that strong at all but he just has crazy abilities of specialized abilities of doing the barriers for the school tengen from the first part of season two gotcha we we covered too many animes i got confused um but Gojo's saying that, because we've still never seen Tengen, which is really right. interesting. He could be somebody that's not strong at all. He just has crazy abilities to be able to do veils. barriers like that yeah, okay. and, and veils. So meanwhile, the grasshopper is talking about how transfigured humans lose their taste. Uh, <laughs> well, what are you laughing about? Uh, it's important I mean, in the grasshopper's world. But he's just He's giving Yuji this spiel. About uh, the taste of humans while Yuji's like looking around figuring all this out. Mm-hmm. I like to how, I don't know if Yuji mentions this, but the, the fact, I think he does mention this. The fact that he can have some sort of speech means that he has to be kind of strong. Okay. Yeah. So Yuji attacks sending this thing through a brick wall and then he confirms, he goes, this is a grasshopper curse. We go to the calling card. And when we come back, we're going to learn a little something about a locust plague. Ooh. It is a large-scale disaster arising from an outbreak of, get this, locust. Yep. I, I love, I actually loved this. I don't know how much you like this part. Yeah, I love learning about plagues. Well, the reason I like this is because locust, I've seen this stuff on films and on uh, like documentaries. This shit is absolutely terrifying it is terrifying and i just looked it up real quick because i would hate for people to think that we're uh, buffoons because um i don't think i agree i don't think that he liked being just minimized to a grasshopper curse but locusts are various species of short horned grasshoppers right so it's basically being called like um you know if you saw a Great Dane and you're just like, oh, it's a it's a dog curse, and then being mad like, no, I am a Great Dane. It's a, no, curse. that's like saying it's a wiener dog curse. Be like, no, I'm a Great Dane. I'm not a wiener dog. No, you didn't listen to what I was saying at I'm all, Chad. I got, I got, I got it. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, because I could definitely see how this is a strong curse. Because if you've ever been in a locust swarm. I haven't been in one either, but that's a Gears of War thing. They call it the Locust Swarm. Mm-hmm. It does look terrifying. I don't even know how often it actually happens in the real world, but I know it is a real thing. Yeah, I mean, because when they swarm, like you say, they will consume crops, paper, clothes. And I thought this last one was interesting to bury the lead on. Buildings. <laughs> yeah, they don't actually like go for human flesh. They will rip your clothes off. Yep, just anything made from plant fibers. So, and they also go on. Uh, uh, turns out a locust is very much like me. They are required to eat its own weight and food every day to grow. So, a swarm weighing one ton must consume 
2,500 people's worth of food each day. That is a lot. That's like, I don't even know if I could do that. How many is in a swarm? I'm looking that up right now. How many? Yeah, how many locusts do you have to have before it's considered a swarm? Because it might just be like a gathering. Holy nutsack, dude. Take a guess. I'm going to guess bigger than a nutsack. Four to eight billion. Now, what did you Google exactly? Swarms typically contain between four to eight billion locusts. I can't even wrap my head around that. That is so terrifying. How many locusts? They well, I'll start by they that. Can, they can eat in a day the equivalent of what at least three million people would consume. Okay, wh- what? Okay, what is the largest locust swarm ever recorded? The largest swarm um, of locusts on record occurred in 1875 in North America. Whoa, a little too close to home. And covered an area of 198,000 square miles. When they're put into squares, it means nothing for me. Because uh, you're a square. Keep going. I mean, do you know what a square mile is? Very confusing. No. I mean, how did they? How did we let this happen? We got to kill these locusts. How many locust swarms have happened? I told you, it's a scary thing, brother. Locust swarms have happened. Didn't give me an answer. Anyway, hey, let's make sure that that doesn't happen again, everyone. Let's put our resources th- together and cut that shit out. So we are back into the fight, and this thing has some chompers on it. And I mean, it's a pretty cool fight. This grasshopper is much bigger than I initially thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it is just brute force. It's got that motherfucking thing on it, too. If you know what I mean. We will get to that, as you said, motherfucking thing. Yuji realizes it probably doesn't have any special moves. So I think it kind of like, Yuji kind of bides his time. Um, just letting it attack. He goes on the defense. Yeah, it's all brute force. Right. And the grasshopper is also very concerned that Yuji knows that it's clever. Okay, he keeps saying that. He yeah, said yeah. it multiple times. And Yuji absolutely roasts him by saying, clever people don't call themselves clever. And that is one of the truest statements you can make. It is, to which he says, he goes, really? <laughs> <laughs> now, did you like this? This is one of the parts of the episode where I thought, oh, Ronnie might not like that. I actually, on the rewatch... Didn't think it's that bad because they we do know that like curses once they get pretty powerful they do say some weird stupid stuff and this one is at the point of like becoming so strong that it's actually forming sentences but it's almost it's like a broken English type thing if that makes sense somebody that's just learning the language and I would also like to know how that they uh, how they develop their personality right if like all the some of the bad traits of the initial human being they sprouted from was that person like very yeah. insecure about their intelligence i don't know and like wanted everyone to know that they're clever i'll never forget i really gave it to uh, a girl one time in fifth grade Ooh. because uh, she had made a comment i forget we were doing like a uh, a trivia game in class and we had like a team and god this is so mean of young ronnie and we needed to, like, there were different challenges, and one of them, you had to answer a question. And I was like, oh, my God, we got to send Landon up there. She's, like, the smartest girl in class. And this other girl named Danielle was like, well, 
if they have to do it again, I'm like the second smartest in class, so we shouldn't do it. And I went, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, what was her last name? Which one? Danielle. You don't know her. So Yuji finally fires up some cursed energy. They punch fist to fist. Uh, and Yuji's just too quick for him, though, and hits him with a fury of a million uppercuts. It doesn't matter that the grasshopper curse has multiple ligaments. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Yuji's just too quick. Destroys him. As a last, He hits him so hard in the face that when you see him next time, his wings are damaged. <laughs> yeah. As a last-ditch move, the grasshopper spits at him. But it's just a distraction. You see, locusts can lay eggs underground using their baby-making tail, Oof. which is hard and uh, and can burrow underground. Now, this is what Chad was referring to when he said he had that motherfucking thing on. Yeah, and that, you know, when they say baby-making tail... Well, I said that. Did, oh, they didn't say that? I don't think that they ever used the term okay. baby-making and you did a feel feel situation tail. with the word tail, which was weird. But that is just a, a cute way of saying penis, I think. R- well, well, no, p- I guess penises don't lay eggs. They do shoot out eggs, though. Or shoot no, out. that's not right either. <laughs> that is also incorrect about how the male anatomy works. Well, okay, what well, it doesn't matter. They shoot well, out things that are on the hunt for eggs. They basically yeah, yeah. shoot out a bunch of little kids at an Easter egg hunt. That's what yes. they're doing. Ghost but, kids. Yeah. I guess they could be ghosts until one of them finds it and they become real. They become mm-hmm. a real boy or a real girl. And that's Sex Ed with Ronnie and Chad. Hope you enjoyed it. So in this case, he uses it as an additional limb to send towards Yuji. It was a really scary moment. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to get him. But no, Yuji won't be fooled, destroys it very quickly. Oh, just slaps that thing away. And mm-hmm. then... The nail thing is broken. The veil is lifted. This is a mission well accomplished. Good job, Itadori. Yes, sir. Elsewhere, May and Wee have slaughtered a bunch of transfigurees. Yeah, yeah. That's what you call him. We cut over to Mahito, who realizes that his grasshopper has been defeated and he's torn. You know, because we know Mahito's the kind, he, he is very easily swayed by his emotions. And he, oh, God, yeah. he wants to fight the powerful sorcerer who did it, but he, he can't. He is the human curse, after all. He has a job to do. May is impressed, thinking Yuji would have struggled more. They've uh, reconvened at this point. She says that he is basically already a first grade, and she hasn't seen anyone get this far without a technique since Kusakabe. Now, who is that again? I looked him up for an image. You know, I always go image search, because don't do a regular search. That's dangerous. It was a guy that I can only describe as, oh yeah, I've seen him before but couldn't tell you what he did or when he did it. Should I do an image search? Yeah, to check see if this you out? remember, because you've watched it more recently than I have. Let's see here. Let me check this out. Kusakabe. He, he is typing in Kusakabe. Uh, I don't think I've seen this guy. Oh, you don't even think you've seen him? No. I don't believe I've seen him. Well, well, be a better show watcher. Wait, is he the, is like he the guy that we saw last episode with Panda? He could be. That would that make sense. That is the guy. Yeah, yeah. That would I'm make pretty sense. sure that's him. 
Okay, so that guy, that's interesting if that guy doesn't have curse techniques. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. But Yuji's like, uh, you know I didn't fight Mahito, right? And they kind of let that pass, but I like that little touch. Like, she yeah. might think that he straight up took down, one, the Veil user, two, Mahito. And he's like, it was just kind of a grasshopper that Mahito <laughs> yeah. had made. Yeah, he was pretty strong, but it wasn't <laughs> the guy. So right now they're running on level B4. They go downstairs to what I'm assuming means they are now on B5 because the veil has lifted. Mm-hmm. And there's just a woman hanging out, having a sit down, staring into open space. And we cut over. She saw something. She saw something bad. Elsewhere, Hanami grows some limbs over Gojo's escape, but Gojo just sighs. He's like, you don't have to do that. If I run, you guys would just kill everybody, which I think I'm supposed to care about. (laughs) And we see two guys in costume who are kind of looking up from above when these limbs are closing in. If you're looking for Waldo, I found him. He's dressed right there. And he says, what are those two guys talking about? And another one says... You mean those four? The interesting part about this right here, if he can't, <laughs> I mean. There's multiple you, interesting things. Would you not be thinking, okay, first off, you see Gojo, you're like, okay, he's a guy in costume. You see Jogo, you either think, that is the greatest costume to ever be displayed upon my eyes in the history of time. Right. Or you're thinking, oh my God, that's a monster. And your point is well taken. I'll go one step further I think you look at Hanami and go, whoa, now that is an impressive costume because he's also walking on stilts because I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Hanami's like seven foot six, maybe. Yeah. If not taller and completely made of wood, I think. So now yeah. the, the guy that's saying, what are those two guys talking about? He technically could see Chozo since Chozo is technically part human. He could see Chozo and Gojo. He just couldn't see Jogo and Hanami. Because at the end right. of season one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of season one, Itadori points that out with the other two brothers that they technically weren't just curses; they were alive. So I'm also interested in. So they've done this twice now, where just random run of the muck people at this costume party are seeing the curses, and it makes me wonder if like, are there more cursed users than we think? And they just, because I mean, how do they find the cursed well, users? Yeah. Like for Eat Dory, it was just that he was like so out of the ordinary that it caught, we caught wind of it, right? Because he was yeah. just a high school kid. Whereas these guys might just be like so weak powered, but they still have a little bit of it going on that they just go through their whole life without ever even. Right. And I it also talked about how like some people, when it comes close to death, or like there's a lot of things going on around them, they will start to see it. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the case here is like maybe it's just, like you said, they might not have ever seen a curse before. This might be the first time. So, so. I'm just wondering if they're doing something with that. Like if they're yeah. if it eventually, you know, the jujutsu sorcerers start trying to track these people down and start developing Forcing, their powers yeah. a little bit more for like some sort of war that we end up having or anything like that. The fact that they just keep going back to that well is interesting. So then we flash back to Ghetto teaching Gojo or Jogo about Gojo. Wow, this right here could be yeah. some serious dys- dyslexia. 
And we're going to go back and forth from this flashback a lot, so hang tight. Just call it the... What, what would you rather call it? The Gojog fight or the Jogoge fight? I didn't like the second one. So, but, I, but if I'm being completely honest, I didn't love either one of them. <laughs> okay, we won't call it either <laughs> one. <laughs> so Ghetto says... Gojo is at his strongest when he's alone. So we cut back right away. Jogo opens the door, making people spill all into mm. the subway tracks. By the way, that's what I say when I just can't get a girlfriend. I just say I'm at my best and strongest when I'm alone. Yeah, no, I do that too. Where yeah. I'm like, I'll just tell people, God, I just love my me time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just so completely comfortable being by myself. Right. I'm a strong, independent man when I'm alone, so why would I need somebody, you know? Not me. Gojo doesn't seem concerned. Uh, As a matter of fact, he says this next line, calmer than anyone ever has. He looks around at some of the people. He says, "Um, get back or you'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they don't. That's the funniest part. They don't know. These people have no idea what is happening right now. And he says it like they all should know. They don't know. And if you're told in the way that he tells them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, imagine yeah. imagine if you were going somewhere and you like walked in into a room and you're like, there's some weird energy going on. But someone looks at you and just goes, um, get back or you'll die. You'd be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, huh? Like you walk, in, yeah, you walk into a Starbucks and there's just like these four guys having a standoff, but you don't see any weapons. You know, maybe two of them have a weird hat on. And then they just go, uh, get back, or you'll die. You just be like, I've got a mobile order. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be in and out. Can I just slip by you real quick? Right. So back to Ghetto, who says any any sorcerer with him is basically just a hindrance. And now is this this is Ghetto on a freaking children's playground, right? This is the point. We. <laughs> I don't want to get there quite yet okay? because I didn't put it in my notes. Like I realized, let me uh, walk you through Ronnie's notes. Okay. When we're first there, I realized that we're on a playground. I did not decide to put that fact into my notes until much later. So I would like to just uh, do my summary that way as well. Okay. So for now, everyone forget that they were at a playground. We'll discuss in a moment. Um, I also think that it's interesting that like, cause ghetto was essentially his partner. And he's still saying, like, he works better by himself, mm-hmm. which is kind of, I don't know. I don't know why I like that touch. I just like it because, I mean, because Gojo would care about Geto. That's how you, like, literally the only way you can get to Gojo is by influencing him with other people. And mm-hmm. it's especially somebody like Geto. That, that might be the only way. Because it seems the only thing Gojo's actually truly cared about in the history of this show is Ghetto. So Ghetto says we'll go one step lower and surround him with non-sorcerers, just a bunch of boozed-up morons dressed uh, yeah. up as co- dressed up in costumes. Yeah, he should have at least like gotten an entire school of children or something instead of these bozos, you know. Right. Jogo attacks immediately murdering four people, which seems... Oh, my. And decapitates the last guy. Did you see that? Yo, I saw it. I saw a head moving around. I mean, oh, my gosh. It seems in one bad taste because, you know, murder. But then, two, it's also like, well, you you want more people around, so quit killing them. 
See, uh, to me, that's just making a statement. Like, oh, we're not afraid to kill any of these people. Okay. Yeah. Let me just wipe out four of them real quick and right. show you that I will, I will fucking kill them all. Which also brings me to the point of, like, can you imagine how sad it would be if you died and, like, you got to look back on your life and be like, wow, I died as just a statement. Yeah. Just to, uh. just to make a point. <laughs> um, but, but dude, and then none of them even saw that. They they just randomly caught on fire, which I I liked. I thought back to season one where he does that to the people in the coffee shop or like the little yeah. breakfast bar where he just makes them turn into flames. Mm-hmm. And Ghetto's like, really, dude? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so Sleepy Aladdin uses blood manipulation, slicing exorcism. Horrifying name for a move, mm-hmm. by the way. Horrifying. This guy's going to be a problem. Yes. And once again, I know it sounds like you know his name's Chozo. Can everyone give a hand to Chad for knowing that? Until the show once again refreshes my memory that his name is indeed Chozo, I will be calling well, him Sleepy Aladdin. Yeah, I rewatched season one. You haven't done that yet. I did it while I had that, that bitch Corey V. So It sends an attack right at Gojo. The, the attack I'm talking about once again is slicing exorcism. Gojo doesn't move. Um, by he just blocks it by being Gojo. I don't know. It takes a uses infinity, an infinity, but also like the infinity. It sends it like around his head. Like yeah, curves it around his head. It turns out it was just a distraction. As now Jogo and Hanami have closed the gap. We go back to the flashback. The minimum output of Gojo's technique reversal is double that of his amplification. Now, if you were like me in that moment when I'm taking notes, I go, uh-oh, a lot of big words. Don't worry, it makes sense. So, Ghetto says it'll be nearly impossible for him to use it without catching non-sorcerers in it. So, I went, okay. Mm-hmm. So, basically, it's just like recoil. Right. His recoil is so large that it would just be... It would Anybody in the area would just die. Um, he goes on. Also, he probably won't be able to charge his blue up for speed either because it would make him a dump truck as far as non-sorcerers are concerned. So if he starts speeding around the place and knocks into someone who's just standing there, it would be the equivalent of a dump truck <laughs> running them over. <laughs> oh, my God. It just uh, explode. Which they go on to say, because if they get hit... That would mean instant death. Thank you. Thank you for explaining getting hit by a dump truck, <laughs> Ghetto. So all of this is to say Gojo is going to have to focus his energy on defense. And by the way, this is where we get to it. This flashback stuff is super important. I, so I didn't mention it. Chad kind of got to it. They are at a playground in the middle of the day where Mahito is frolicking around with children. Now they probably don't see Mahito because they don't have cursed energy. Yeah. But what about Ghetto, who is clearly blocking the monkey bars and is a grown man? That, yeah. Who, what parents see that creepy guy standing on the playground like that and don't say anything? Yeah. They're just like, hmm. Was he blowing bubbles too? He was, was yeah, I think it was bubbles. I kept looking because they kept showing him play with Very it. Very creepy. There's nothing creepier than a guy blowing bubbles by himself on a playground. A grown man. It, it really is. I'm trying to think of like... Something creepier than that? There's not. Something... Okay. Because here's here's the uh, key point. 
What is the worst thing that someone could be doing at a playground that if you called the cops and told them about it, they'd be like, ma'am, I don't know if we can do anything about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because what could they do? They'd be like, he's just like... He's, he's just blowing bubbles. If they don't have a rule saying, like, don't get on the equipment if you're above the age of 13, they're like, well, he's just... He's just standing on the equipment, blowing bubbles, man. We can't, we can't do anything. <laughs> He's fully clothed. He's not talking to any of the children in a weird way. He's just talking to himself. He's talking to himself. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Back in the present, the two enemies use double amplification, and Gojo, who obviously still has Limitless, sits and ponders the attack and then darts away. Um, he's still nearby, and he starts thinking about domain amplification. Now, is this where, when I saw you the other day, you told me I was going to... No, no, this it was is the, not. The, it, it was the grass. I thought the grasshopper. Grass yeah. Okay. It's the same principle as the new Shadow School's simple domain. They envelop themselves with the domain, and while that reduces its guaranteed hit effect, it ensures that they neutralize any technique used. Right. It's basically just a way to actually neutralize Gojo's technique and get to him. Right. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, because that would allow their attacks to hit Gojo. Now we flash back. Jo- Jogo asks why they, what they do about his domain, Infinite Void. Um, Getso explains, the only ones unaffected by it are Gojo himself and anyone he touches. And even if he can trap the enemies in it, a great number of non-sorcerers would get cru- crushed to death in the space between his domain and the veil. So now they put an animation with this that I really liked because it's essentially, and I was making the point earlier about um, maybe he doesn't even care, which I guess, is this the veil? It's the one around the train mm-hmm. still. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially when he goes into his domain, it would make a big force field that normal people couldn't get through and so it would just push them up against the walls of the veil causing death exploding death <laughs> exploding death owie yeah so sorry, keep going keep going <laughs> well they go on to say so chances are he won't use yeah, it yeah i love how they do say that chances are <laughs> but but um, because he's not wrong in that statement right. there is a there is a chance that he also will just do it but ghetto goes on to say this means though that the others mustn't use their domain expansion either because if they do and draw a bunch of non-sorcerers in theirs gojo will be forced to give up on them and use his i I love how thought out this whole entire thing is by ghetto because that does make sense as soon as they like like you can take out four or five of them make a statement but as soon as you kill everybody around He's not going to care at that point. He's like, well, everybody's dead anyways. Now I'll just use my domain. Yeah, it goes right back to the point you were making earlier where uh, Gojo and Itadori are two different people because if a bunch of people just exploded from you know, domain usage, Yuji would look around. He'd be broken. He'd be like, oh, God. Gojo would be like, ah. He's like, I was trying to say. <laughs> I was trying to save him, but it didn't work yeah. out. I got to keep going on. Now, the mission. I, now I can actually take care of these curses. They would, he would almost look at it as like a positive. So the plan is to get Gojo on uh, defeating the cursed spirits and rescuing non-sorcerers. That's they just want them worrying about that. Back in the subway, a girl, and that is that sounds stupid, but 
It's essentially saying instead of just defeating the cursed spirits, they also want him worried about rescuing the non-sorcerers. Right. Back at the subway, a girl is sitting on the tracks, covering her ears and screaming, and an Afro Afro boy tries to help, but is killed by Gojo, who just sticks his hand through him. And then just sets him ablaze. He tells Gojo he thought he told him not to run or he would do this. Which is kind of cheap. I mean, Gojo just moved a little bit. Yeah, he didn't even run. He just relocated. And then in the most badass thing ever, Gojo says, Not at all, Baldy. As he reaches for his blindfold, takes it off, and says, I'm shocked that you ever thought you could beat me if this is all you've got. <laughs> it looks so hot. Doing this. Oh, God. When those eyes are revealed and he starts uh... saying that, Whoa! What is he about to do? Is he about to just say "fuck it" and not care about any of these no, people? Around? No, okay. no, that's not what he's getting ready to do. He's just got the situation completely under control, man. All right, Ronnie, I need a prediction here. What? They okay? Ghetto. I don't know if you mentioned this part. Ghetto says all we need is twenty minutes. Yeah. The very last note. Ghetto wants Go or Jogo and the gang to hold out for twenty minutes after it's time for himself. After it's time. Then he, then he brings out the prison realm. The prison realm, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was a bad last yeah, yeah. note to end on. Which he hasn't mentioned the prison realm since like episode seven of season one. When he's in the coffee shop, he goes, we need to use the prison realm on Gojo. That's the only way we're going to get rid of him is just trap him mm-hmm. to where he can't do anything. Then we can continue on with our plan. So I don't even think this prison realm is to kill him. I don't think they... They pretty much think it's impossible to kill him. They're like, we just got to trap him. Yeah. So... It's going to be very interesting, first off, if these curses can actually hold off for 20 minutes. It's so funny that they're not even... Gojo, at this point, I think, thinks they're trying to kill him, but they're technically not. They're just trying to hold off for 20 minutes. Hmm. That's why I think I'm it not, could go I, sour for Gojo right here. I am interested. I wonder if Gojo does think that, that they're trying to kill him. Because, I mean, maybe he does. I mean, if they get rid of him, man, it's going to be hard for anybody else to stop what they're doing. They're pretty dang I mean, that is the thing with Gojo is, like, if he doesn't, if he thinks he just has all the time in the world to do his normal Gojo stuff where he just, like, sits around and laughs at him. Yeah. Like, every minute counts. But they've also got people... I mean, these next few episodes are exciting. It's one of those things where I'm interested to see how many episodes this whole, like, the next hour takes. Yeah. Because it seems like there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot happening, and, yeah, we got a bunch of groups that we need to be introduced to. The Panda, and I'm pretty sure it was that guy you mentioned earlier. Um, Nobra and her group, and then obviously Fushi's group. We got to see what they're gonna do. Who who are they gonna fight? Like, is one of those groups gonna run into Mojito and have to fight him? Right. And then Gojo. I mean, all the other curses are with Gojo. So literally, the only one besides Ghetto is Mojito. Um. Well, what about uh Hermit Crab? I don't. I think that one is just chilling at the beach. Whoa, dude! Don't disrespect Hermit Crab like that. He's got a large part to play. <laughs> Maybe he does. Maybe he does. But. I don't know. It's pretty awesome. I, I like how it's not afraid to kill the normal people. 
we might see a few more normal people die, non-sorcerers. Interesting that you said that. You like how the normal people died? No, I don't like it. I, I'm just glad the show's not afraid to do that. Well, I mean, they're just, like, nameless people. Yeah, but that's a lot of them. It's a lot of them. Usually, you know, the the main... Like, you would think Gojo, like, saves a lot of them. He's so mm-hmm. powerful, he saves them, but he kind of just lets some of those people die, you know? There's nothing he could have done. What <laughs> okay. could he have done? I mean, he could punch. He could have teleported no, to Jogo No, I don't think he could have done anything. Okay. I th- I just I don't know I'm getting a weird vibe from Gojo where he, he he might just let them all die. He did everything he could, which is to calmly say, "Get out of here, or you'll die." <laughs> His bases are covered. So <laughs> okay, that that goes back to my point. I think what's going to be Gojo's downfall is Ghetto just showing his face. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see mm-hmm. what happens to him just mentally when all that happens. I think that is the only thing to mentally break him is not people setting on, on fire and heads being decapitated. None of that affects him. It's just going to be Ghetto showing his face. And then how is this prison realm going to be used? Mm-hmm. Is it just like a Pokeball? Or are you just going to throw it do, out? And it... Do you think that they get Gojo in the prison realm? That's a pretty well thought out plan. <sighs> yeah, I think, they, I think they do. And then it's going to rely on like Yuji and other, other people to get Gojo out. Yeah, I mean, that really is. That's the... Uh... That's the ultimate place for the show to go is like what happens when they don't have Gojo. Then that's that's where it looks like it's headed. I think that would make it really interesting if we got to see how Yuji and them would react without Gojo and then all these curses around. It's it's going to be a problem. So we'll come back uh, next week for the next installment. We're getting closer and closer to that uh, that meetup between Gojo and Ghetto. I know, I'm so excited for it. Very excited, very excited for all the things that are going to happen in Mm -hmm. between. Like what... (sighs) I'm excited if any time Mahito is fighting like Yuji or something, I feel like it's going to be good. I want them to confront each other. Because there's also so many other things at play. Like Mahito, he, he walked away saying, I have a job to do. What is his job? Right. It's got to be something completely different. And why does Ghetto need 20 minutes? I mean, there's a, a lot. He's very oddly specific. Right. He's doing. He's obviously doing something right now, but what is he doing? Is he charging up the prison realm? Like, I don't, I don't is know. Is he we, streaming a 30-minute program without commercials? He could be doing that, where he too. Skips, where he skips the theme song so it gets to about 20 minutes? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, excited to find out. Check us out at Ronnie and Chad on social media. Links in the description. We'll talk with you next week. Yes, we will. I've been Ronnie. I've been Chatty. Peace. Peace.